Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. Our top story, confidence in China's economy down further. Foreign direct investment into China plunging to a 30-year low. There in China are begging America, please come back. Uh, the rest of the world, please come back. Chinese Coast Guards were caught again entering Taiwan-controlled waters, but were kicked out by Taiwanese officers. 18 Republican lawmakers urging President Joe Biden to quit TikTok, an app banned from U.S. government devices due to national security concerns. Biden's campaign joined the Chinese-owned platform to reach young Americans. U.S. lawmakers are pushing a new bill to tackle China's threats in the biotech sector, with four Chinese companies coming under the radar for potential sanctions. Foreign investors' confidence in China's economy seemed to get weaker last year as a lot less money was flowing into China. New numbers reveal foreign direct investment in the country has dropped to a 30-year low. According to the Chinese State Administration of Foreign Exchange, the country's direct foreign investment, or FDI, has fallen more than 80 percent last year compared to 2022. It totaled just $33 billion last year. Beijing has been struggling to reignite the country's economy after the pandemic. The country is dealing with a property crisis, weak domestic demand and low investor confidence. Plus, foreign companies have been scaling down their operations in China after the Chinese regime put a focus on national security and cracked down on spying. Companies are concerned over how this policy and others will be enforced. Uncertainty is driving more foreign companies to consider diversifying their supply chains or pulling out of China completely. With a high unemployment rate, China's economy could suffer in the medium and long term. Foreign direct investment means buying substantial stakes in a foreign company or acquiring it to expand operations. This type of investment is important because it establishes long-lasting connections between economies. Kevin Hogan with NTD Good Morning spoke to Kevin Freeman, the producer and host of Economic War Room and the author of Pirate Money, about the risks in the Chinese market. China is especially vulnerable because they depend on so much American capital and really Western capital. And the investors there in China are begging America, please come back. Uh, the rest of the world, please come back. So why have they left? Well, they've lost confidence in the Chinese governance. Literally, uh, they're seeing a nation that is flaunting international rules, trying to use the Belt and Road Initiative to advance their interests. This is not an economic-based regime. They used to say it was capitalism with Chinese characteristics. What, in fact, it was, was a Marxist uh, plan to control the world. So what is the regime's efforts here to bolster the stock market all mean for Americans? Well, if you're invested in China, then you're hoping that uh, you can get a little higher prices before you have to get out. But bottom line is uh, that American investors in China cannot expect that this is a brand new way of, of investing. As they did five, ten years ago, they said, oh, China is, is perfect in investing because it's a managed economy. No, capitalism has its rules and free markets have both their ups and their downs. So what's China's economy like right now, Kevin? China's economy is very weak. Uh, it's been built on a house of cards. It's been built on abuses of the system. It's been built on slave labor in some cases. It's been built on manipulation of, of foreign investors. 
Yeah, we've seen those allegations against companies like Timu selling these clothes for just like a few dollars, even even pennies at times. And then also the collapse of Evergrande, the real estate developer there as well. So if China's economy does take a downturn, what does that mean for the United States and for the world? Well, it's normal to take downturns. China doesn't want to see them. The Chinese investors don't want to see them. So it's actually a threat to the regime if the stock market continues to go down and people don't see any opportunity to advance their lives it's a you know we look beware the wounded dragon uh what if uh china becomes belligerent and takes military actions in order to take away attention from their falling stock market that's a very dangerous position that is a really serious risk that you mentioned there so what's china's real estate market like right now and how does that affect its stock market china's real estate market was massively overblown uh, it was a massive bubble. We've seen the bubble bursting, and it, there's more pain to be endured in the real estate market, from my perspective. Right, and why is that? Well, because you know, if you overprice things, eventually what goes up must come down. Uh, there were ghost cities, a lot of real estate activity that was non-economic. It was for uh, cultural reasons or political reasons. The uh, massive move of people into cities. The net result is they've monkeyed with their market so much, it's not a natural result. So the property market is overexpanded. And as a result, when the bubble bursts, everybody gets hurt. Yeah, and analysts like even James Gorey have told me that the CCP is not out to foster economic growth. They're out for power. And that's why they would tell companies like Evergrande, just develop, keep developing, even if the demand's not there. And that led to all these problems. Kevin Freeman, producer and host of Economic War Room, thank you for your time. Thank you. A warning from the FBI chief about China's cyber attacks on U.S. infrastructure over the weekend. This is the second warning he's given in a span of a few days. At the security conference in Munich, intelligence chiefs of different countries focused on the war in Ukraine and the Middle East. But the director of the FBI, Christopher Wray, urged them not to let China escape their focus. Wray said the U.S. is laser-focused on China's efforts to plant malicious software into U.S. computer networks and infrastructure, calling it a real threat. He added that the Chinese Communist Party's offensive against U.S. infrastructure is at a scale greater than we'd seen before. Last year, a Chinese hacking network was revealed to be lying dormant in American infrastructure. It could be woken up any time to do a great harm to the American people. Ray said this is only the tip of the iceberg. A group of Republican lawmakers want President Biden to deactivate his campaign's TikTok account. They said in a letter that Biden was ignoring TikTok's well-established national security risks. Biden's campaign joined the short video app earlier this month. The campaign's initial video was seen 9.6 million times, and it has about 170,000 followers. Efforts in Congress to ban TikTok or create new tools to restrict it have stalled. Last month, TikTok told Congress that 170 million Americans now use the app, up from 150 million a year earlier. The White House noted last week that there is still a ban on the use of TikTok on government devices. The Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States demanded last year that TikTok's Chinese owners sell their shares or face the prospect of an app ban, but the administration has taken no action on this. Over in Europe, the European Union is investigating TikTok. They suspect TikTok is breaching transparency agreements and not upholding obligations to protect minors. Key concerns include addictive design and the algorithm funneling viewers to more extreme content.
Next, moving to Capitol Hill, lawmakers are pushing a new bill in Congress to combat China's threats to the U.S. biotech sector. The bill lists a group of foreign adversary biotech companies of concern with four Chinese companies on the list. If passed, it could bar them from doing business with American biotech companies funded by the federal government. Biotech is a core interest for both the U.S. and China, covering a wide range of categories from medical treatment to genetic engineering in agriculture and new materials. Critics of the bill argue that it could hinder the U.S. drug supply chain, but many maintain that it is crucial for protecting U.S. interests. The National Security Commission on Emerging Biotechnology, a Senate group reviewing the industry, said the bill can ensure that China won't have access to American citizens' most confidential data, including medical history, in the competition between the two countries. The Chinese embassy quickly condemned the bill, saying the Chinese firms are discriminated by the U.S. with ideological bias. Taiwan is condemning China for boarding a Taiwanese tourist boat. Here's what a Taiwanese official said on Tuesday. It hurt the feelings of our people, created panic among the people, and it was not in the interest of the people on both sides of the Taiwan Strait. Tensions are rising around Kinmen Island, which lies a short distance off China's coast but is controlled by Taiwan. Chinese Coast Guard members boarded a Taiwanese tourist boat near Kinmen Monday and spent half an hour checking the ship's route plan, certificate and crew licenses. They got on our boat and delayed us for half an hour. The Chinese Communist Party said over the weekend its Coast Guard would patrol Kinmen. That's after two Chinese nationals died when their speedboat capsized last week. They ventured too close to the island and were chased by Taiwan's Coast Guard. Taiwan's defense minister says they won't respond with military action. Also on Tuesday, the Taiwanese Coast Guard drove away a Chinese Coast Guard boat that had entered Taiwan-controlled waters near the island of Kinmen. According to the Taiwanese authorities, there was no military engagement. The Chinese boat finally left after an hour after Taiwan's patrols urged it via radio and broadcast. Taiwan says it will continue to monitor the real-time situation around the waters, ensuring the harmony and safety in the region. Coming up in over 30 billion dollar defense boost for Australia. Amid heightened China tensions, Canberra aimed to build its largest navy since World War II. An Australian writer jailed in China giving up on appealing his suspended death sentence. What his family says about the reason. And from Australia up into the Pacific Ocean, a tug of war is going on. The Chinese Communist Party is knocking at the door of the island nations, while the U.S. is slow at working with them. General Robert Spaulding breaks it down. More on that after the break here on China in Focus. Welcome back to China in Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. In over $30 billion overhaul, Australia announcing major plans to boost its military. This comes amid heightened tensions with China. Today, the Albanese government is announcing an increase in the number of warships in the Royal Australian Navy to being the largest fleet since the end of the Second World War. The new investment would more than double Australia's warships in the coming decade. Most importantly, it would also grow Australia's long-range strike capability. Canberra has been wanting to grow this capability, 
in 2021 after news broke that China has been rapidly expanding nuclear warheads. Australia's then-defense minister warned that every major city in Australia is within range of China's missiles. Japan is also taking similar actions. Just two months ago, Tokyo approved a record military budget, speeding up the process of developing missiles that can hit targets in China and North Korea. Australia is also set to get nuclear-powered submarines from the U.S. under a deal known as AUKUS. The Pentagon said China has 500 nuclear warheads, adding the regime is expanding its nuclear forces. China also signed a security pact with the Solomon Islands, and this sparked concerns of a potential Chinese military base 1,000 miles off Australia's coast. With the number of weapons on the shopping list, Australia is set to spend 2.4% of its GDP on defense. That's above the 2% target of other NATO allies. Its defense minister said the investment is needed given the complexity of the circumstances facing Australia. Now on the human rights front, an Australian writer detained in China says he would not appeal his suspended death sentence. The writer Yang Hanjun worked in New York before he was arrested in China in 2019. Prior to his arrest, Yang regularly posted comments critical of Beijing on X. Yang had over 130,000 followers on the platform. This February, Beijing handed him a suspended death sentence over alleged espionage. Yang denies the accusations. Australia summoned China's ambassador at the time. His family said an appeal would not bring Yang justice, as Chinese courts have a 99% conviction rate. Plus, an appeal could delay possible medical care. Yang has developed a kidney cyst. He said he fears he would die in detention. And in China, a suspended death sentence would usually automatically be converted to a life sentence after two years. Yang's family is urging the Australian government to push for a release on medical parole or a transfer to Australia. And to the north of Australia in the Pacific Island nations, the Chinese Communist Party is knocking, while the United States delays signing a deal with three countries in that area. The Compacts of Free Association, or COFA, give the U.S. military access to Micronesia, the Marshall Islands, and Palau, which would be significant if a war were to break out in the Pacific region. And in return, the three countries will be given financial assistance. The heads of the three nations say the CCP is using the U.S.'s delay in passing COFA to gain influence in the region. We spoke earlier to General Robert Spaulding, National Security Analyst and Senior Fellow at the Hudson Institute, for his take. General Spaulding, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you back on the show. Thanks. Great to be back. Now, the Compacts of Free Association, or COFA, has yet to be renewed. That's been tied up on Capitol Hill since last October. Now, this is leaving longtime U.S. Pacific Island allies like Palau, Micronesia, and the Marshall Islands up in the air. Now, what's at stake for the U.S. if these aren't renewed? Well, I think they will be renewed, but I think you make a good point in that these this these relationships with the United States, not just in terms of the COFA agreement, but also just in terms of our economic uh, ties. Uh, these are the things that the Chinese have been trying to get get into and, um, and create some separation between those um, those Pacific Island nations and us. Uh, and that's bad for from a strategic perspective. Uh, it's bad for, for the region. And unfortunately, you know, we just we we do not do as good a job as the Chinese in 
um, in looking after the strategic relationships in a way that it, you know suits our interests. Now, on that note, retired Marine Colonel Grant Newsham had an op-out out titled, Think the U.S. exit from Afghanistan was bad? Look what's brewing in the Pacific. Now, what do you make of that? Is this, could this be worse than the Afghanistan withdrawal? Yes, and, and the reason is, um, is that uh, the Chinese Communist Party, I think, has the opportunity and the capability to really push us back all the way to the third island chain. On the note of the third island chain, how close to us is that? Is that Guam? Could it even reach Hawaii? Give us a sense of how close to the continent. Yeah, yeah it really gets to, it really gets to Hawaii, and you know, really pushes us way back into our own side of the Pacific Ocean. I mean, we're operating now, uh, you know, within, um, you know, within you know, in the Taiwan Strait, for example. That's like 30, 40 miles off the coast of China, um, and you know, twelve miles is international seas. 200 miles is exclusive economic zone. So to push us out of there uh, would be hugely problematic for our ability to protect those supply chains, both to our allies and partners, but then again, uh, also coming uh, to the United States from that region. And I think the, the faster that Xi Jinping slows down China's economy, the more danger, President Biden says less danger, no, absolutely wrong, more danger because there's less incentive for them to continue to uh, play the global global economy game. And if there's less incentive for that, that means there is more incentive for just to go out and take the gloves off and go, go uh, militarized. On the note of militarized, a lot of lawmakers are raising concerns over the sheer number of illegal Chinese immigrants crossing over into the states. Now, CBP is noting that 269 were apprehended in one day alone. That's versus 450 for the entire year of 2021. Now, many of these who were apprehended were saying that they came here because of China's poor economy and also the repressive political environment. But what are the concerns here? Why are they really here? Well, I mean, that's just it. We don't know. I think that it is quite possible that they have those same concerns. But, you know, as, from my time living in China, the problem is that particularly since Tiananmen Square, they have, uh, they, the Communist Party made a, uh, an absolute focus on changing and controlling the narrative within China, whether it be education system, whether it be media, whether it mean basically taking anything that was of written nature, once it's digitized, your ability to change, delete, you know, create your own history, create your own, own version of the narrative. They've done that. And so now you've got 1.4 billion Chinese people that for the most part have don't have any other way of thinking of the world other than what the Chinese Communist Party has told them. And when they come here, they're still using their WeChat. They're still using Weibo. They're still using the same platforms because that's where all their friends, that's where their family is. That's where they do their business. And the Chinese Communist Party continues to hold sway over them. Now, another issue that many lawmakers are noting that is that many of these Chinese illegal immigrants crossing are single military-aged men. Now, given the sheer number of that, what national security concerns is that raising? Could they be called upon as potential sleeper cells? Well, yeah, and, and you think about it, if there is something going on uh, in the Pacific and the, the Chinese uh, want us to be distracted, you know, these folks could all start to go after infrastructure. If you go back to the Nashville bombing uh, a couple, couple of Christmases ago, 
Um, it took out communications for the entire state of Tennessee, one location with an RV full of explosives uh, and surrounding states. So one, two, three divisions of Chinese uh, people in the country, each directed to go after some separate piece of infrastructure. We could be looking at a situation where we're not talking about getting the grid back up or um, our, our networks back up in, in the matter of days or weeks. We're talking years. Because some of this equipment, quite frankly, takes years to build and deploy. And given all of that, what is the solution here? Is the first step to bolster our own infrastructure? How does this work? Well, you know, the first is to secure the border. Second is to deport all these people. And yeah, absolutely. A third, you know, that's that's you know, that's quite frankly what I've dedicated my life to. And I think we we believe that it uh, with um, a little bit of money and a little bit of will we can secure and protect our infrastructure in ways that enable us to survive things from a nuclear EMP attack to these type of physical attacks that could be done by sleeper cells here in the United States. General Spaulding, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. That's all for today's China In Focus. I'm Tiffany Meyer. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you'd like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocusntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.